0: Let me quote a not-often-watched movie from 1983, Twilight Zone. It was a very young Dan Aykroyd, and he said, Do you want to see something really scary? That is what he said just before he transformed into a supernatural monster. Well, my guest today, not Dan Aykroyd or a monster, is probably a man you've never heard of, but the story of his life played out like a real-life Twilight Zone. We watched his country transform, not to anything supernatural, but an equally terrifying totalitarian socialist monster. We watched it on this side, but he lived it. 51% of millennials today say they would rather live in a socialist country than a capitalist country, but they confuse Sweden with a socialist country. That is a capitalist country, that from their own prime minister. Now that number rapidly declines with the older generation. Only 30% of anybody 50 to 64 year olds have a positive view of socialism. That number falls to 28% if you're 65 and older. Why is that? Because the younger generation has never had the experience of seeing what socialism really is firsthand. They miss the twilight zone of Eastern Europe from the 1940s, 50s, 60s into the late 1980s. That is not the case of the man you're about to hear from. It is a story of terror, fear, hunger, survival. It's bizarre. In short, it is the story of socialism. So here we go. You want to hear something really scary? Next, surviving socialism. Andy, I have, we have so much to cover and, and you reading your blog is just so eye opening. Um, but I, I, I want to do this in chunks. I want to try to take it chronologically a little bit. Okay. Um, tell me about Romania before the communists come because it, it wasn't a violent takeover.
1: Uh, Yes and no. Okay. Um, so Romania was probably one of the most promising countries uh, before the war, before World War II. Okay. Um, and unfortunately, it got caught into the the Axis alliance uh-huh. with the Nazis mm-hmm. uh, simply because of the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact, which was between Hitler and Stalin. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when Following that, they invaded Poland, but everybody knows that they invaded Poland, but almost nobody in the United States uh, knows that actually Romania, following this pact, was broken. Um, Hungary got uh, Transylvania, Mm -hmm. and the Soviet Union got half of uh, Moldova, which both are historical Romanian provinces. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, basically, the Romanian government didn't had much to say. They followed. Uh, they followed the Axis because uh, Hitler promised them restitution. Promised them uh, they, they would. He would get them rid of uh, of the uh, Soviets, and um, uh, the Moldova territory would be brought back to Romania. Kind of like what happened in Finland, where they joined the the Nazis because the Russians were always uh, invading them
0: yeah so um so when the war was over and the nazis fell there was a pact though with with uh, russians that they couldn't they couldn't overthrow any government through military uh means they had to did you ever see communists keeping their promises no no I, no so
1: uh what happened they um uh in August 23rd, the young King Michael um, of Romania, he was the youngest monarch. Uh, he was only like 17 or 18 years mm-hmm. old. Um, he uh, ordered the Romanian army to uh, turn arms against the Nazis and join the Allies. So uh, he arrested the, uh, the prime minister, uh, the Gen- uh, General Antonescu. And he declared that Romania, from that day on, is uh, on the Allied side. So they fought. Actually, Romanian soldiers fought mm. all the way to Berlin mm. uh, from August 23, 1944, until the end of the war. Uh, but that that didn't stop the Russians from uh, occupying the country, mm-hmm. and uh, they um, uh, b- brought their own uh, uh, consultants. Uh, They organized uh, so-called free elections in which uh, everybody voted for uh, historical parties like uh, the liberals, uh, not liberals in the American sense, Mm -hmm. but the true Mm -hmm. sense liberals and the national peasant country. But somehow uh, the Communist Party, which was only about 1,000 members strong, they won the elections by 95%. Why? Because they counted the votes.
0: (laughs) right? And they were the ones that you, the reason why Romania joined Hitler was because you didn't want to be communist with the Russians.
1: Exactly. And Romanians have, interesting. Romanians are very, very strongly. They feel very, very strongly about communism. In 1947, when the communists came to power, as I was telling you, uh, the Communist Party of Romania was only about 1,000 people strong. That in a country was about 20 million at the time. Mm.
0: So they were, somehow they won. So you were born in 66? 63. 63. 1963. 1963. Okay. Um, boy, we've had wildly different lives. I was born in 64 and uh, born in America and your life and my life are completely different. Yes. I grew up in America that we were afraid of the Soviets, but not like you. We were afraid of being vaporized. Um, But we, you know, thought we could vaporize you guys right back. And I remember thinking that growing up that the entire block was just this monolithic uh, communist. We want to take over the world. And it wasn't until the revolutions happened until the wall came down that the people in the West started to see, I hey mean, you guys are just like us. We're, we're so much alike, not our governments. No, but the people wanted the same thing. We never understood that when the wall was up. We thought everybody was in lockstep.
1: Well, yes, you're right. But in the same time, what is funny is that we didn't understood you either. Yeah. I mean, we knew about the West freedom and uh, Land of Plenty, and you know you can speak up your mind. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing is, I'm in the generation. I was pretty young when the, it was the the hippie power flower uh-huh. generations here, and we were so uh, taking. We we try to um, to imitate really um, long hair. And let me tell you something. That was a big no, no, because if they were catching you could actually be arrested
0: for long hair
1: for long hair. Yes, absolutely. (gasps) And for Wearing those pants with the, how do you call the bell them? bottoms? Bell bottom,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> you would go to jail for bell bottoms. Well, not. I go mean, to I might jail. actually
1: agree with that. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> not go to jail, but uh, uh, picked up from the street, thrown in a van, um, uh, uh, put in a uh, um, <laughs> in the in a basement in a cell at the police, and they were sending one guy and uh, beating you good. Why? And then what after, was the,
0: what was the crime? Because he
1: was. Subversive? It was subversive. It was too Western. Okay. You were trying to be like uh, the enemy.
0: And you I I mean it's so strange because now that things have opened up and you have Netflix, etc. Um I've I've watched some of the old Soviet TV and it's crazy how upside down things were. And yet there was this underground. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Chuck Norris Chuck versus communism. As a matter of
1: fact, uh, yes, I did. And I recommended it to Nick. And we're working on a project together.
0: Really? I, I'm good friends with Chuck Norris. And he had never heard of it. I'm actually going to his house this weekend, and I might bring it okay. to make sure that he watches it. But he had never heard of it. And I said, no, 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 Chuck, you don't understand. It's not about you. <laughs> it's, but about, it, it's
1: about the underground. Yeah. It's about the underground um, uh, movement of uh, dubbing movies, uh, Western movies, Hollywood movies. and uh, Because they, everything was censored by the government, by
0: the party. And, um, yeah, it's a great movie. When the, when the, when the wall fell and you finally saw the West, maybe, maybe, maybe let's go 10 years past that, 20 years past that. There had to be some trepidation, but also excitement about what the West might offer an end to what you knew and excitement for something that maybe lay ahead. I've been... I think we all have in the West been beaten into this um, uh, feeling that we've been a great disappointment to the world and those who lived behind the Soviet curtain that we're no different than that, that. That freedom is is there's no real freedom here and it's just all this ugly cronyist capitalism and.
1: Is there any feeling like that? No. Why do the people, they, 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 they try to get here so hard, Glenn. I know. If it's like on the other side. Yeah. You tell me that. Because it's different. Because America is still America. It's land of the free. Because no matter how, uh, and let me tell you, the detractors, okay, are here in the United States. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, People on the other side, people in Romania, people in the eastern countries, they love America. There's no question about that. It's a symbol. It's a symbol and they love it and they appreciate it. You know that Reagan has statues all over the place in, in Estonia, in, in, in Poland, I believe, mm-hmm. in Hungary. Mm-hmm. I think they, uh, I was reading in a the newspaper, they want to erect a statue of Reagan in Bucharest in Romania. Mm-hmm. So if America is no different than the rest of the world, why why is
0: that? So le- let's let's take a look at what life is like under socialism. First of all, okay, what is the difference between socialism and communism?
1: Okay, uh, socialism is a stepping stone. I don't say that, but you know, uh, Marx himself, the creator of uh, yeah. Socialism, said it. Uh, socialism is just a stepping stone on the way towards communism. So basically in socialism you, everything is owned by the state. Um, the means of production, uh, everything, the economy is planned, but people, they are still having salaries Um They work as employees for for a salary and so on, okay? There is still allowed a certain amount, different from country to country, a certain amount of private property. For example, you are allowed to own a home or you are allowed to own a little piece of land to supplement your, you know, Mm -hmm. food. Mm -hmm. In communism, all, all this disappears there is no private property whatsoever there is no salary there's nothing like that everybody works to the best of his ability and he is rewarded according to what his needs his needs are okay
0: so what's the, the difference reason
1: with- why and uh, let's be clear communism was not achieved by no country in the world, not yeah. the Soviet Union, not even the uh, North Korean regime. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're all social. The reason why uh, they they called, they, they are say they're communist countries is because the government is communist. The party, the leaders are communists. Why? Because they represent themselves as the trailblazers of the people in their march towards communism. So it's normal they being the ones that trailblaze, they call themselves communists, but the society is socialism up to the point where all private property is eliminated. (laughs)
0: so what is venezuela how close is venezuela to what you grew up in
1: venezuela is a socialist country obviously Uh, they still have private property to a certain degree but it has a planned economy Um, how close it is to socialist romania that would be kind of hard to tell because i wasn't there but from what i heard what i read from from the internet they're about there. They're about how it was during the Ceausescu years in the mid eighties uh, when was the the blackest times in Romania. Although I believe in Venezuela Maduro
0: it's I would say it's more violent than, than Ceausescu was. Holy cow. Yeah. We'll get back to him in a little while, because that's quite a statement. Yeah. Um, Let me me ask you one more question on the differences between these systems. Everybody says, we're not going to have communism. We don't want communism. We don't want all of that. Blah, 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 blah. All we want is Sweden. All we want is Denmark. Are those socialist countries? No, they're capitalist countries which have social programs, social safety nets. So what is the difference between a socialist country one run by democratic socialists, and one that is like Sweden. What's the difference?
1: Sweden is a capitalist economy, period. They don't have a planned economy. That's number one. Uh, the state doesn't own the means of productions. It doesn't own the most of the land in Sweden. Um, they have high taxes. Indeed, mm-hmm. uh, to provide for a wide uh, social net, okay? But they are uh, capitalists, and even, I would say, probably more capitalists uh, than, the, well, yeah, than the United States. because but they are more the, free than the, the United, United States. The regulations are, yes, yes, the business regulations there are you know, more relaxed than the, in, in mm-hmm. the United States. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, Sweden, the, the Nordic countries in Europe, are not socialists by not democratic socialists, not socialist period. They are capitalist countries which have a wide uh, social safety net.
0: Okay. Um, Tell me about your parents. What did your parents do? What was your life like, your earliest memory? Let's start in the 1970s. What was it like being a kid? (sighs)
1: So my parents, uh, unfortunately, divorced. My mother uh, was uh, an attorney and um, Uh, my father was the son of a capitalist pig or a Kyabur. It's the name you probably heard about the name Kulak in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Okay. In Romania is the same thing, but it's called Kyabur. So my grandfather from my father's side, uh, he owned about 10 acres of land of land. He was a farmer. He owned 10 acres of land and a convenience store, store like a 7 mm-hmm. And because of that, he was declared an enemy of the people. He was arrested. He was put in uh, prison and released only when he was too sick, he, uh, he got TB. And they let him out when he was too sick to work in the Gulag they wouldn't wanted to care for him, you know, pay for his uh, medication. So I remember him dying in, I think I was like maybe five years old when he died at home of TB. And your dad uh, my, took on that shame? My dad, he was very young when they arrested my grandfather. And fortunately he was out of town. He was out of the village. He was. Uh, with the produce at the market in the capital in Bucharest and uh, he was he caught wind that his father got arrested and he lived on the run under an assumed name for the next 15, 16 years.
0: Because they would have arrested him? Yes. Just because of who his father was. Exactly.
1: And they finally caught up with him. He went to college uh, and in his to become an engineer he changed his name To UNESCO, which is my name, which is not actually my name, but Mm. is it was his assumed name. Mm -hmm. And when he was in the senior year, he uh, they caught caught up with him. They didn't put him in jail because by that time they kind of like trying to let people, you know, to relax a little bit. They were the years in which Chaușescu tried to appear more, uh, you know, westernized, mm-hmm. uh, being the rebel kid of the mm-hmm. communist bloc. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, they kicked him out in uh, from college. So he took a job as a machinist. In a
0: factory. Any doubt with the technology that we have now that your dad would have lived? Uh, excuse me with the technology that we have now being able to find anybody anywhere and
1: oh, no, absolutely Absolutely not with the face recognition and yeah. stuff
0: like that. No, on, absolutely yeah. not Um, So What's school like for you? When you're a kid, what's school like is it full of indoctrination anti-west? Is it is it good? Is it the perfect school? What 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 is school like?
1: Okay, school was not bad leaving aside the indoctrination part because let's come e- back to that in a minute every classroom had the portrait of the dear leader mm-hmm. okay over the blackboard um and we had but later in high school we had uh, classes teaching uh, marxist leninism leninism uh, dialectic materialism and all that stuff But leaving that aside, I can compare with the school that my son Mm -hmm. went through here. And I would say like in general education, it was really good. Mm. It was really good over there. Uh, Of course, a lot of discipline. Um, You couldn't couldn't, uh, engage in any kind of political discussion. Other than saying, you know, what a beautiful life you have. Mm.
0: Um, were there sp- were there spies like like the Nazis? By the way, there is a. I read an article recently that the Nazis were not, the National Socialists were not socialists. Is there a difference between the Nazis and the socialists?
1: No, there is. Okay, the Nazis are national socialists. Right. The communists are international International socialists. Socialists. So they're they're cousins. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And there is no wonder why Hitler and Stalin was best were best buddies Mm -hmm. before, uh, you know, before uh, uh,
0: Hitler attacking. You know. That's why the Nazi flag is red, according to Hitler. Exactly. To show you we're on the same team here. Um, The. you know we know in the West about Hitler; we know less oh. about Stalin, but he just seemed to do more of what Hitler was doing um We know Hitler was he um bred fear neighbor against neighbor. You never knew who anybody was. There were informants he was using kids to inform on their parents in school was was that a part? Yes, it was
1: it was the same thing the same methods. Informants everywhere. You could have um, y- your best friend or your neighbor or even a member of the family informing on you. I remember when I was uh, 20-something, I was working on an offshore drilling rig um, as a radio man. And I, ha- I was dating my, uh, my colleague that I was sharing the same cabin on the rig. I was dating his daughter. And after the revolution I found out that actually he was an informant. Really? Wow. So you could never you could never trust anybody. And you could never trust anybody. And if you were listening to Voice of America or Radio Free Europe, which were illegal to listen to on the radio, you did it with a volume turned like way down, way down. So because they put us in this apartment flats with thin walls and you could hear from one apartment to another and you were staying in line for bread or for meat and you had to keep your mouth shut you couldn't express your
0: disgust with how long the line (laughs) is no because you
1: you (laughs) never knew the the guy behind you could be one of them and you know
0: all of a sudden a a black van pulls over and you're gone. So how much like we're experiencing a little bit of this the first time. Americans have always been really open. We trust each other. We trust neighbors. We trust everybody. Not <laughs> we us. Just,
1: not us, Glenn.
0: Yeah, I know. We, because of that history. Um, yeah. uh, but we've never had that here until recently. And people. People here are not reacting to it, I think, the same way that they would where you're from. Um, when they see things where you can just accuse somebody. And their life is over. We've always had a innocent until proven guilty. Exactly, And it's we're seeing this now in this democratic socialist movement, this social justice movement in Mm -hmm. America. That is there is no real justice. If the accusation is out there, you'll be destroyed. Exactly. And that's how much of how much of the security apparatus and the informants how much of that stuff were you worried that if i get on the wrong side of somebody even if i don't know that they're an informant if i just get on the wrong side of somebody they could turn me in because they want something of mine or i've wronged them somehow yeah. it, it was was that prevalent at all very very glenn i
1: mean you you couldn't you ha always had to be on guard You always had to, and you always had to um, think about the double meaning of everything, of everything it was said. Uh, I was struck when I came to the United States of the innocence Mm. of the American people, which pretty much when I came here 20 years ago, they take everything at face value, which Mm -hmm. was shocking for me. That didn't happen anywhere in the communist bloc everything can have double meaning everybody can be the guy who is gonna rat on you so you always had to be on guard you always tried not to tell what you're really thinking there was
0: life day to day over there even with your children like in germany or not
1: and with the children you were not tr- you were trying to yes uh, even with the children you you when you had small the moment they were starting to understand what is that they they have to keep their mouth shut and they don't have to to tell their friends what they hear inside the home but before that when they were very young and innocent parents were trying not to talk about politics or anything uh, anything against the regime in the presence of their children because you never know you never know they they could have gone outside the home tell uh, their friends, their parents might be informers, they hear mm-hmm. and there you go. You're gone.
0: You know this, the, I, I just saw somebody say uh, oh communism has gotten a bad name because, I love this, because of a few Famines. Um, uh, it's not that there was a drought. It's not that the farming, the, the centralized planning doesn't work. And it's not just a few famines. Tell me what the good times were like in a grocery store. The good times. Okay. I mean, when under communism, what was it like just... You know, this is an everyday kind of. I'm going to the grocery store to get stuff.
1: Up until probably 1975, it was, it was, I, from our point of view, it was kind of okay because you could go in a store and find a piece of cheese, or you
0: could. It was good because you, you could go in yes, and
1: or, find a piece of cheese, yes, or you could find bread. I'm not talking about. Imports like oranges, olives, yeah. and stuff like that. But basic necessity, you know, basic foods, you could find up until 1974, 1975. Uh, but after that, everything, every single thing was a struggle and everything was on a ration card. You had ration for bread, for butter, for everything that you put on the table, but don't count like everything that you can buy here from the store, okay? Like very basic necessities, food food stuff like-
0: Bread, potatoes, meat, rice, cheese, oil.
1: Rice and stuff like that, okay? But the fact that you had them, you had the right on your ration card didn't guarantee that you're gonna get them every month so you could go to the store and tell the the uh, i, I the, have uh, my yeah. ration card yeah for, i have for a cheese. ration card give me my uh my kilo of rice i'm sorry we don't have it come back and s- might be here like three days from now you come here like three in the morning make sure you bring your little chair stay in line and if you're lucky you're gonna get it so this was uh after
0: it's not the like 70s It's not like you could call the store and say, hey, is that shipment of rice come in?
1: Well, you, could, you couldn't call the store because you didn't have a phone. That was, uh, that was the, the main reason. They, wouldn't, they would tell you, are you crazy, first of all, but you didn't have a phone because in order to have a phone installed in your home, you would have waited anywhere between 8 and 12 years to get a phone. To get a phone line installed, yes. And that phone line installed most times was a shared phone line with somebody that you didn't even know. So you pick up the phone and you hear somebody else mm-hmm. that you didn't know who it was. Mm-hmm. It was the okay. same line. I don't know if this was the case ever in America. Like two families to yeah, share. Some, uh,
0: very early on in my life, I remember some people... Uh, would have what was called a party line. Party line. Okay,
1: yeah. There was another thing that uh, you know uh, made you to be very guarded because you never know when you pick up the phone who was the other guy could, mm-hmm. that could have listened on on your conversation. So you couldn't uh, you couldn't call the store, and if you would have called the store, okay, there
0: was uh, are you crazy? Okay, so so no phones, no phones. So you get so all you have to do is just get into your car, and what drive car? down. Mm-hmm. What car? You know, your family car.
1: <laughs> okay. I think in Romania, only about probably one in 25 families have a car, had a car at the time. One car for every maybe 20, 25 families. One car. Why? Because.
0: They had the car. They, they had these <laughs> ugly cars of the people.
1: The, uh, okay. Okay. Because the industry of, uh, the socialist industry wasn't uh, geared towards uh, consumer goods. So automobiles were considered consumer goods and they were not considered really a necessity for the people. Uh, In order to buy a car in Romania, first of all, you had to save your entire salary. Let's say you're a blue collar worker Mm -hmm. in a factory. Mm You save your whole salary, every penny, and you live out of your wife income for about seven years.
0: Wait, wait, wait. Seven the years. Car, you would have to pay your entire salary, salary for seven years.
1: Seven years. Put it in a savings account special design for buying a car with a with a national bank. Okay. You couldn't touch those money. You didn't have interest earned on those. So you pay seven years, your entire salary, and you live at the mercy of your wife or relatives because you didn't have any money left. After seven years, when you finish paying, okay, then you you finally get in line to get the car, which takes another five to seven years. Shut up, 14 years? 14 years to get a car, okay? And then after 14 years, you get a letter and you go to the only one dealer of cars in Romania, which is the factory, Dacia factory in Pitești. You can pick anything there. Anything, any car as long as it's produced that month. So for example, you wanna buy a red car and you get there and you see all that parking lot full of green cars and you promise your wife, you're gonna get a red car at home, right? Well, you can because they didn't produce the red cars that month. Okay, so you get your green car, or you don't get anything. They give you the key. Wow! You get out of the factory uh, parking lot gates, and then you have a problem because in the gasoline tank there is only about two liters of gasoline, enough to go to the first station, gas station, (laughs) and you get into the first gas station. And you have a ration for gasoline too, which is seven liters a month, a month, seven liters a month. What's like in gallons, like three gallons? That's crazy. So, you not going like anywhere. That. Most of the times it's not enough for you to get home with your new brand new car. So you have to have a friend waiting for you with a jerry can somewhere and, you know, put gasoline in your car and then you finally get home. This is how it was to be a, a car owner. I, my family never had a car. I got my first car when i was uh twenty seven twenty eight a year after the revolution that's when i I bought my first car but other than that you you were you were considered lucky to to have an automobile and you know go into a vacation and by the way, you couldn't go into a vacation at any time you had to calculate. First of all, you had to save the gasoline money, or uh, yes, yeah, okay, to to, the to save the ga- the ga- gasoline rash- ratio. And then you had to plan it because you couldn't drive your car every weekend if you had an even the license plate with the ending mm. with an even number. You could go. You could drive your car in the week in the in the first and third weekend of the month. If it was uneven, in the fourth in the second and the fourth. Why? To save. I don't know. To to save the planet. I have no idea. They, you were not allowed to to drive, like that. I don't, maybe this is how liberals in America they were trying to imitate this this model. I we not. did it
0: in the '70s when we had a gas shortage. Yeah, you know, and that's when you know we had we had the wonders of Jimmy Carter who. Who loved a lot of these social? So you're programs. telling me that he copied the model, like yeah, he even we, an odd. Yeah, you weekend. could only buy. No, I think it was you could only buy gas but, on certain days. But you could drive every every weekend. You could drive okay. as much as you want, but you're not going to get any gas. Oh right, well. Um. Uh. So as you're going, <laughs> as you're going through this. Well, first of all, you're 18 years old. Let me take you to 18 years old. Um. You're going to college, you're going to work, you... uh, I was in... I was
1: finishing high school, and then I got drafted in the uh, armed forces. I was in the Navy. Okay. So it was uh, mandatory to to serve your country. Mm -hmm. Once
0: you turned 18, you got your... uh, Must have been an exciting time. I mean... uh, Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have a feeling that's sarcasm. <laughs>
1: yeah. So they called you. I, I. They called me. They sent me a letter. I went to the recruitment center. It was in a high school gym. Um, they look at me and say, "Well, you have big ears. You might be a good radio man in the navy." Oh my gosh! <laughs> so they examined us, and a month later, I was. Uh, I was in the navy, in the Romanian navy went right to the ship. You go to boot camp. We went to the boot camp for two months in which... Besides the, the training and, you know, marching and mm-hmm. all the stuff that mm-hmm. we, we was letting, leaving us tired as dogs, like mm-hmm. pretty much here in the United mm-hmm. States, and gas mask on the face and all the, all the mm-hmm. things. But after you finish all that stuff and you are, you are tired like a dog and you wanna hit the sack, okay, you couldn't because they were starting the political indoctrination lessons for about two or three hours every day, in which everybody in that classroom was like, mm. listening, some instructor droning about the 15th Congress of the Communist Party and what Ceausescu said and how beautiful it's going to be in the future and stuff like that. So it was a it was a dark period of my life. After the boot camp, it was kind of a little bit better because I was assigned to a ship, but only to a certain point because the food was really bad, uh, cockroaches everywhere, including in the bread. Uh, we were. In the morning for breakfast, we were taking the, the the loaves of bread from the galley, and we were going outside on the on the top deck, slicing the bread, so the cockroaches could have enough time to.
0: Oh my <laughs> gosh! This is night. This is at the time when we were having Reagan. Um. Yeah. Uh, probably yes. Probably the. First. You're 18. That yeah. Would have been 81, yeah, 80 some, somewhere in that yeah. area. That's Something right. Ronald like Reagan. Reagan. You and were chasing the. You were cutting the bread to let the cockroaches out. Get out, yes. And, and we had buttertop top bread. And
1: um, we we were joking with you know friends that we were trusting, mm-hmm. um, that as a military force we would surrender immediately if only the American would come and drop loads of Marlboro cigarettes, blue jeans. <laughs> <laughs> and Bottles of whiskey over. A, you didn't need to
0: drop bombs on us.
1: You just need, you just need a
0: Berlin lift, and we will surrender. Um, it, it, the food situation was so bad that when you enlisted, part of boot camp was working on a farm, wasn't it? Uh, on a, uh, we had pig farms, but where oh, the pig nice. meat,
1: where the pig meat go? I never found out because we only got like. Pieces of fat and pigskin in our, in our plates. Probably went to, you know, not to the enlisted people, to, but to, you know, to the people in.
0: No, but you don't understand. That's what socialism is all about. Giving it to the 99 instead of the 1%. The 1%, uh, yeah,
1: the 1% in socialism, uh, Glenn. Uh, Because I hear every, almost every day that 99% and 1% and, uh, you know, the rich people are the 1% and -hmm. in socialism, there's not going to be 1% any longer. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it it exasperates me because in socialism, there is a 1%, but the 1% are not the people who deserve to be wealthy and to be, in position of leadership and they are practically in socialism the one percent who have all the wealth and all the privilege are not the people that work hard for it mm-hmm. are the party privilege the
0: elite of the party so game players the ones who know how to schmooze how to work people how exactly
1: to... then another category of one percenters are the people who enforce the regime the mm-hmm. Securitate, the secret police? Uh, those guys are going and shopping in special stores where you you don't have access. They never have. They never lack anything. They don't lack food. They don't lack. Like, uh, they, they don't lack uh, booze. Uh, they basically, they they have their children going to uh, elite schools that your kids, they don't have access to. And then there is another group of one percenter, one percenters, and you're going to laugh at this, but the last group is people that are selling potatoes in the stores and meat, and they... The people that the food stuff and the consumer goods are, are the people who are working in the stores where you go and buy are trying to buy the stuff.
0: Because if, they can get
1: the first they, and the best. Exactly. They can get the first and the best and they can trade what they have right. with other people who have right. other stuff.
0: So they might have that rice that you couldn't get. So, so
1: for example, I had a colleague in high school. His father was a butcher. Okay, now what's a butcher in the United States? Okay, but he was somebody. He was somebody. He had uh, Nike's uh, shoes. He had uh, uh, Levi's uh, blue jeans. His father had a vacation home and a nice
0: apartment downtown. Uh, they had two cars. How could he get away with blue jeans for Levi's in particular, when others would be picked up for bell bottoms because they were too western? Because uh, the the cops, the police, they have to eat too,
1: right? Like the lower, mm-hmm. you know, the 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 cops on the beat, the ones that they arrest you for for wearing blue jeans or having a long, long hair. So where they the... know that that kid is. These guys who is the butcher where I'm going to buy uh, meat. So they're not going to
0: touch that. So meat. where is the Marx social justice? Where is the the justice for the uh, I don't know.
1: Maybe Ocasio-Cortez can tell me or maybe Bernie because <laughs> I didn't live it. There is nowhere. Socialism is. If we are talking about human exploita- exploitation. Okay, that's socialism. And uh, uh, what they are trying to sell the the American kids, that uh, democratic socialism is different than real socialism, is not true. It's just lipstick on a pig.
0: do you um, were you allowed to go hunt for your own food could you have guns and rifles and no Uh,
1: guns were prohibited my uncle had uh, a shotgun
0: uh, was he on the capitalist uh, double barrel he side? was a doctor okay He's a doctor.
1: so hunting in Romania was reserved for the elite. I had an uncle who was a doctor, kind of like a celebrity a doctor for celebrities, for actors and stuff, and he was a kind of like a hopper crust. He had a double barrel shotgun, and he was going from time to time to hunt bears and deer. and, and you know, but every time when the dictator was in town he had to surrender his gun to the police headquarters Mm. under lock and key. He was not allowed to keep it at home. But other than that, I never touched a gun until I I got drafted in the Navy. And it was probably, I don't know if if it was a capital offense to, to have an illegal gun, but probably you were going to jail for life.
0: Did the did the communists take the guns, or is that part of the culture of Romania? The
1: communists t- t- took the guns. My grandfather, from what my my dad told me, he had uh, he had a shotgun, and when the Germans they were retreating from Romania, his house was right next to the railroad and the german troops were were throwing their all the stuff that they couldn't carry from him Mm -hmm. so he picked up a luger pistol from you know Mm -hmm. from the railroad tracks when the communists came to power the first law one of not the first but one of the first laws they passed was confiscations uh, registration and confiscations of all firearms so you know
0: did he keep it? Did he hide it? No. He surrendered
1: it. He, he surrendered it. Surrender it, and did, that didn't help him much because they took him and put him in prison anyway because he was a capitalist pig. And I remember what my uh, father told me uh, after the revolution. He told me if I would have none, known what was going to happen after they did that, I would never allowed my father. I would have taken those guns and hit them. Hmm. That's that's everywhere, communists, socialists, communists, they they came to power or they tried to accede to the power. They have this policy of restricting gun rights. And it's absolutely every time it happens. It happened right now in Venezuela. Mm -hmm. When Maduro came to power, he did the same thing.
0: When you start to lose power... You have to you have to stop the democratic part of socialism goes away quickly. Exactly. And you, and you... then you have to use force. Correct. Um, uh, tell me how uh, homosexuals and and gays and women and all this. You if you were
1: identified as a gay lesbian transvestites or whatever you were going to prison period it was a decree in which homosexuality was criminalized and that was the law in romania believe it or not they only got rid of that law way in 2006 so it was another for another seven years after communists fell. They still had had the law. Um, from what I heard, they were meeting underground, but it was very, very uh, risky to be outed as one. Mm-hmm. You, you, they were going. And the, the thing is, they were, if they were arrested, the survival expectancy in, in prison as a, ga- a gay person, it was probably weeks they were usually killed by other inmates under the
0: orders of the prison guards. What would have happened to a guy like Martin Luther King? In Romania? Romania. Guy who stood up and said, this is wrong and this is an injustice and. uh, Beaten um,
1: within an inch of his life. Um, If that would have happened after 1960s, because if, if he would have been arrested, let's say he would have been arrested before 1960s, he would have been just disappeared, mm. okay? But when Ceausescu came to power, he didn't actually, he killed people, but he wasn't like Maduro style, like shooting people on the streets. He was arresting them, beating them, uh, keeping them uh, in home arrest. If he was something like um, Doina corner like a, a dissident uh, Doina mm-hmm. corner who had uh, her son who lived in France and he was a personality, ha- uh, house arrest, twenty-four hour surveillance, mm-hmm. and period- periodical beatings. This, this is how it was. Um,
0: Ceausescu was wasn't I mean he was a absolutely a dictator. I mean he was a, he he was charged with crimes against humanity, he, genocide.
1: Yeah, he was because he practically starved a lot of people to to death and he killed people especially when he was young before becoming president he was uh, the head of the Communist Party security services. Mm-hmm. I know because I had an uncle who actually he he was he Uh, was one he was in the military and he was one of his bodyguards and my uncle witnessed Ceausescu ordering killing of the people there were a couple of uh, peasants revolts in Romania people they didn't want to give up their lands and Ceausescu led uh, the repression and he gave the order for uh, for uh, the security uh, forces to to machine gun those uh, those peasants
0: when I, when I listen to the people in Washington uh, on the left, I, I think they have no idea what's going on. They have, they're, they're, they're clueless. They're so separated from the people that they don't even realize how out of step they are. And it brings me to uh, 1989 and mm-hmm. the, the revolution. Mm-hmm. The way I remember this, and correct me if I'm wrong, The way I remember this is. uh, The dictator walks out onto a balcony, I think it was his wife, and he's giving a speech and uh, he's used to everybody praising him. And I think it was one like old woman in the crowd or something that said liar or freedom or something. And then the whole crowd turned on him for the first time. And he was shocked. He had no idea. Right. Yeah. He was trying. I mean, uh,
1: the revolution started uh, about a week before in the city of Timisoara. And he sent there the, the security of troop to try to repress the people, shot them in the street. Uh, he shot the wounded in hospitals. He sent people in and shot people wounded in, in the, the hospital, hospital bed. Yes.
0: Why is this the only violent revolution? Everything else. You know, it was rocky, but this was awful. Why? He
1: tried to hold on to power. He didn't want to listen to what Gorbachev told him. It's time to go, probably. He didn't want to believe that the people had enough of him. He, he gathered the people when he started. He, he gathered those people in the, in the government plaza in Bucharest, where the government building was, and you, you remember that mm-hmm. from the TV. What he actually tried to do that he was trying to bribe the population. He said that he's going to raise the sal- the salaries, the minimum salary on the on the, on the economy, with I don't know a couple of dollars a month mm. and s- stuff like that, mm-hmm. and. Actually, nobody's very clear what happened, but somebody yelled uh, something, something, and then some kind of loud noise happened, and then that's when the people, they just lost their mind.
0: And then what happened to him?
1: He, uh, they broke uh, through the police line, uh, and I think the police didn't offer much of a resistance because the police was pretty sick and tired. The, the cops right, were pretty right. sick and tired of him also. Uh, And people rush into the government building. He went out on the top of the building and took off with his wife in a military helicopter, which only the flight only took about half an hour because the pilot was alerted by the um, flight control or something that they're gonna be downed if they don't land. So they landed in the middle of uh, of a highway somewhere in the middle of nowhere, and they were picked up by a military vehicle, took in uh, into a military unit, and as uh, you probably already see the like the two- hour trial.: And where were you? I was in Constanza, but the circus in my home, hometown started actually the moment his, he
0: left in the air. Yes. That's what was a power. Did you see that moment on television? Yes, I've seen it on television. Did you see it then, though? Yes. And and what was well,
1: that? Well, after immediately after he started saying, quiet, 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 please. Right. The moment when that happened, they cut the transmission. And, and about, what
0: did you think? Wh- where you I were? Knew something was
1: was going on because that never happened and then probably if i remember correctly about half an hour to an hour later later late less than an hour uh people took over the television stations and new faces came the dictator ran away and everybody was happy everybody was trying to get in the front of the camera to express their feelings and stuff mm. so that's when i we got out um i tried to go to pick up my uh, wife from work and um we went to the party um, uh, building in downtown of my hometown. Chaos, uh, things flying through the broken windows, telex machines and mm. and uh, the tables and chairs and stuff like that. People were like pretty wild, you know, expressing that. Then we went uh, marching to the secret police headquarters. Um, we freed a couple of guys that were in one of their jail jail cells underground from under the the first floor, uh, broke the bars and let them out. And then I remember uh, millions of sheets of paper flying from the windows. Those were the dossiers that they had on each one Mm -hmm. of us. And that was the first day. And the second day, that's when the shooting started in my hometown. Because they had probably, they had, from what I heard, they had um, uh, his loyalists, which were, we believe at the time, they were actually Palestinian. Mm. Hired by Ceausescu, because he was put in such a situation that he wasn't trusted even if his own um, um, uh, people in in the secret service. He was distrusting them, too. And from what I heard, he actually was... He had a plan with Yasser Arafat um, in case something happens. Um, people from the PLO living in Romania as foreign students undercover mm-hmm. would fight for him, would try to um, help him... Uh, Uh, you know, escape. So it was chaos. We had uh, people shooting from top of the buildings. Um, We call them terrorists. I don't know how many they were apprehended. We heard that a a bunch of them they were, but we never saw them. Um, I got a call from my company and uh, I had military experience. They called me if I want to go on patrol. I went to the company. They opened up. The, each company, uh, they had a room with the arms and ammo for the what they call the Patriotic Guards, the militia. Mm-hmm. So they opened up that room. They opened up the cans of ammo. They gave me an AKM-47, uh, two mags of ammo, and we went on patrol in the harbor. Because uh, they were saying he's going to try to escape aboard the ship. He's going to go to... Uh, Iraq to his uh, mm-hmm. uh, S- Saddam Hussein friend or mm-hmm. Yasser Arafat mm-hmm. whatever uh, that didn't happen they already apprehended him uh, the days before but that didn't stop the shooting and we had a in since the revolution started uh, up until it started quieting down um, early January around 2,500 people were shot. Wow. Killed.
0: Terrifying? Uh, no,
1: actually. W- why? Because we were so happy. I mean,. So did you
0: all know what a monster he was and you just ignored yes, it?
1: Yes, we everybody knew what a monster we, we had. But you asked me, we were terrified. We were terrified of only one thing, Glenn. The only thing we were terrified that he's going to come back. Mm-hmm. We're not terrified of the bullets. We're not terrifying that people shooting us, we were not terrified of anything, but we were terrified that tomorrow morning we're going to wake up and we're going to see the guy back on television mm-hmm. uh, and the, 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 the cops are going to sh- come and get us. And one of the reasons, there are not too many pictures of the revolution, and not not too many uh, um, uh, videos shot. Mm-hmm film shot of that because people were afraid to sh- to when when you were seeing a guy with a camera shooting you automatically thought is one of the security guy and he's taking your picture and you know and after the charges will come back he's gonna get you because he knows it, it was you on the street
0: So as somebody who came here with that understanding and that lifestyle, that life. What does freedom of speech mean to you here? Oh, it's everything.
1: It's I mean. It's without freedom of speech, there is nothing. I live 26 years without having it the The fact that I can I can criticize the president, which I don't because I like him. Mm. Um, I didn't like the previous one though. Mm. So. The freedom of speech is is extremely important. I, without freedom of speech, and I'm looking at this uh, this uh, millennials, which are trying by all the means to say, oh, this is uh, offensive mm-hmm. you cannot say this you, know, you cannot say that freedom of speech is made to protect speech that you don't agree with speech that you might consider why is offensive that important? why is that important if if it's not freedom of speech doesn't protect speech that everyone agrees with mm-hmm. it wouldn't be necessary agree with mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. okay it's freedom of speech protects people uh, protects the speech that uh, People might not agree with. They might consider it offensive. And Second Amendment is also very important because Second Amendment protects the First. And I know because I live to that. Without what the, when the communists came to power, they got rid of the Second uh, Second, we didn't have the Second Amendment per se, but they got rid of guns. Why? So they can, can shut up us later after they got the guns they were not afraid of us any any longer so they took the freedom of speech too so
0: if if romania won why'd you leave to america 10 years later because of
1: disappointment glen glen in in what happened after and what happened after was second line party activists, Ceausescu's bodies that they were like behind him, mm. they all of a sudden dropped the name of communists and they called themselves socialists and uh, democrats. And all of a sudden, using their connections that they had before from the pre- previous regime, they be- became capitalists and they started getting not only the political power, but also the economic power. So practically, Romania became a corruptocrat country, a republic of a former uh, communist party activists turned socialists. Who control the economy and control everything? Control the system. Uh, the governing uh, the governing party in Romania right now is uh, called uh, uh, the Social Democrat Party, mm-hmm. and um, I would say probably Bernie would be proud to lead that party. Wow! Yeah, Bernie Sanders. It's. Um, when we realized that actually we, we had free speech, you could, after 1989, you could criticize the government. We had a free press. But in fact, if you went on the streets and tried to uh, say, I disagree with the government, and they were gathering too many people like it was in 1990 mm-hmm. during the Minariada, I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember that, mm-hmm. what happened? Um, they sent the miners and they send the police and they beat the crap out of everybody just for wearing glasses or having a beard. You look like an intellectual. Therefore, you're against the regime. Students put in the hospital, intellectuals, libraries destroyed. It was the
0: same thing with second party activists in charge. How much do you think this stuff is happening here in America now? I mean, you, you look at the political landscape, people who are the most awake, generally speaking, I think are the people from the former Soviet bloc. I talk to them all the time. They'll stop me in the street.
1: Because we recognize the 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 rhetoric and the science rhetoric, because we recognize the rhetoric. We live with it in our youth. So we know when when Ocasio-Cortez or Bernie mm. Sanders or Hillary speaks about it takes a village. We heard that before. hmm. but this time it'll be done right. (laughs) When did that happen, ever happen? uh, Socialism was tried in 40 countries around the world. It failed every time. What does it make you believe that is going to succeed the 41st time? Because the right people were in charge this time. So are you telling me that the American socialists are somehow smarter than any other socialists on the planet? That uh, Bernie Sanders is smarter than every other leader of the party in other 40 countries that tried and failed? That's kind of an elitist, don't you believe?
0: Mm -hmm. I'm struck by your t-shirt. I've been looking at it the whole time. (laughs) You got one. Uh, I have one. Did I you, brought you, you one. You brought me one? So yes. oh, I I'll proudly wear that. Um Romania, uh that's the home of Lad the Impaler. Correct. Who is the inspiration for for Dracula. It is. Uh what what uh I mean the Impaler Army. That's pretty dark. No, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Vlad the Impaler Yes he's a, national, really? he's a national hero
1: in Romania He's an historic, wait, wait, wait. a real prince He uh, fought against the Ottomans The Muslim Turks And he beat them several times uh, up Until he died Being betrayed by his People in his inner circle But he's a national hero He's very very respected Unfortunate Well I wouldn't say unfortunate um, I he was transforming a fictional character right. uh, by, by an English writer in a, in a vampire. He wasn't a vampire by any means. He was, he was a prince, and he was pretty badass. He, he kept the country uh, free. Uh, he beat what was probably at the time the, the greatest armed army in the world which were the Ottomans. They were ruling Mm -hmm. at the time. They were, I would say, the America, Mm -hmm. the American Mm -hmm. uh, power of the day, and he managed to beat them several times. Um, He was a just ruler. He was tough. But hey, those were the times. He learned, actually, the art of impelling from the Turks when he was imprisoned by them as a child. So... um, this Raising, is my respect for him and right. combined with my anti-communist stance.
0: Raising commies to new heights. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> uh, and there is another one, if I may say. I don't yeah. know if that's going to pass. On. No, it's not. Uh, Nick uh, Searcy has one uh, which says, uh, wish of communism up your ass. <laughs> you can cut
0: Well, that. tell me what you really think. Tell me what you really think. <laughs> you don't want to know. Uh, so... Um, why don't you leave us, talk directly to somebody, look into look into that camera. Okay. And speak directly to somebody who uh, is 20 and says, look, I, I appreciate that happening in your country, but it's not going to happen here. That's That's not what the democratic socialists want to do here. It's different. It's not that.
1: Well, it's exactly that because always without fail socialism either socialism or democratic socialism or call it as you may want it always ends up like that you just cannot share the
0: wealth you cannot end that way in sweden in denmark in norway
1: because there's not socialism you try to uh, make sweden government to abandon free property and try them to um uh, plan their economy in five years like in five years plans try to do that and you're gonna see sweden becoming a third world country in less than a decade so you can tell goodbye to your ikea furniture and your volvo car i can guarantee you that mm. uh fails every time without fail That's period People stealing other people's wealth and redistributing it. That's just not working. It's not how it's going to work. You cannot get rid of the 1%. uh, You just can replace it in socialism. You replace the 1%, which is based on merit most of the time, and... uh, um, uh, on on people who work their asses out and who, who open businesses and who have great ideas, you replace them as the one percenters of capitalism, you replace them with people who don't uh, deserve to be one percent. You replace them with people who are high up in the party, people who can do... Uh, who, who have control of the, the goods on the market, and you replace them with people who will put the boot on your neck and keep you down. Mm-hmm. Those are the 1% over there, and this is what you're going to get if you manage to get socialism in the United States.
0: Where are you going to go if, if uh, we become that?
1: There is nowhere else to go. After, this is the last country uh, in the world that is... is you know, keeping, keeping socialism at, at bay. There is nowhere, nowhere else to go. My, my wife told me we stop running from socialism too soon. Mm-hmm. There is nowhere else to run. Mm-hmm.
0: Nowhere else. Andy, it's great to meet you. Thank you very much, Glenn. Just a reminder...